I've had a crazy week this week. Really? Yes. Wait, pause. Hold on. Hold on. I just realized you can keep recording. I don't care. I just realized I need to, I need a glass of water or I'm going to die. Oh, I'm going to die on the podcast. Actually, should I not get the water then? That would be good entertainment. It would be good entertainment. All right. Hold on. Wait, I do need it. I, okay, I need water. I, <laughs> Go I'm going to die. Okay. I'm gone. So, you know, Andrew, I was sitting here and I was thinking, I was just thinking, what has Andrew's week been like? (laughs) Okay. Did you figure it out? And then I thought, probably bad. So what's your week been like? Bad. No. So I built a, a set for a channel that I'm still not allowed to talk about. Really? But you, yes. Is this, by the I know what channel it is. Is this show on the air yet? It already was. They just needed a new set. Like they were doing a new season and they needed like a whole new look. I'm sorry. Has your set premiered yet? It has. It got two episodes in before they had to shut it down because of the coronavirus. Really? Okay. Okay. But now they're, um, they're doing it from like the host's homes. <laughs> they, broke, they broke the set in half and each of them took half home. They actually took a picture, you know, in Zoom, you can change your background. Yeah. So I left my tools there because, you know, I wasn't expecting a pandemic. And uh, so they've just been there for like four months and no one's been there. So I can't go in and get them. And finally, I was able on Tuesday, I like rode down there and like got all my stuff. And and they were super nice about it, too. Working with them was mostly good. They were a little flaky, but they were fine. Like they, you know, usually when you work in theater, the people you don't like, you don't like because they're fucking assholes. Right. All these people were like super nice. They had a little bit of difficulty. Just dumb as a brick. No, they weren't dumb at all. In fact, they were really good at their jobs. But I got the feeling they were kind of like, we need a set in a week. You can do that, right? You know, they're producers. They don't know anything about building sets. So I can't I can't blame them for that. I'll tell you what, they're producers. They don't know anything about anything. Am I right, people? No, I like these people. <laughs> no, seriously, I, I need to be employed. I shouldn't say that. Yeah, you shouldn't. I want to be employed, too. These people were very nice. I love producers. But so I get there. I'd left all my stuff all over the set. All my tools were all over the place. I get there. They put everything in my backpack that I left there. Aww. And it was just ready for me to pick up. I thought it was going to take me an hour to, like, scoop everything up, find stuff. And it was just all waiting for oh, me. Oh, that's super sweet. Yeah, it was nice. And, and then they the put $20 n- in the belt, too? No, but they put $500 in my bank account. Ah. (laughs) Yeah. And then the next day I had like all these inspections to go to for the house that we're looking at buying. And then today I had to do some stupid fucking podcast. But I was also talking to IVP, that theater company I normally work with. And they want to do a radio play. So that might be a thing that we're doing soon. They called me and they I was they were like, hey, we, we're thinking about doing a radio play. We'd like to talk to you about some stuff. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. I get on the phone call and it's the producer and one of the main directors they work with. And I was like, so what were you guys thinking? And there was a pause and they were like, well, we don't know anything about this. And you're the only person we know who knows about this stuff. So we were hoping you could tell us. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, let's let's talk. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. If only there was there was another person as well that they knew, you know, to fill out the cast. Uh, aside from from you, like there's you, and then like I feel like they would need like more than one person for this radio play. I might not be in it. <laughs> so you're saying I'm cast? 
Yeah. (laughs) It's between you and me. That's what it is. It always is. (laughs) I know. Can I tell you, there was a horrible play that we were in that was so bad it got shut down. And I had more fun with you at that audition. I love, oh my gosh, that was the best audition. It was the worst. It was. It was was so bad. Worst. Yeah. You and I grew closer as people (laughs) because of that audition. I tell that story of that day, like usually an audition for anyone listening, like if you're an actor, your audition process is usually pretty painless. You go in, sometimes you have to wait for like five or six minutes, not even. Sometimes if you're non-equity, it's like it can be like hours or whatever. But you spend time in the waiting room. You're going over your monologue or your song. You're reading a book. It's not bad, right? You sit, you you have a lot of alone time. You're listening to music. Someone calls your name. You go in, you do your thing. They say thank you and you leave. It's painless. Yep. You go in, you do your thing, you get Two out. Two minutes. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of times like even waiting is not that long. Most of the times I wait for like 30 to 45 minutes right. and I'm you know when you're non-union and if you're union you set a time and just show up do your thing I literally will just like it's, there are times when I literally just walk in and I'm like do you have any time and they're like well, you could go right now and I'm like all right cool there's a separate list right yep. there's a union list uh, which is usually a much smaller list because you have to pay dues and you have to do union work to get in. It's a whole right. thing. Right. And then there's non-union lists and those build up because most people are not union. Even if you're not, it's union, really though, painless. Yeah. You just it's go really in painless. and then you go back. You can do it on your lunch break. You know? Yeah. We went to an audition and they gave the director six hours worth of time for the audition. And generally what a director would do with that is say, okay, well, I'll just break up. Come whenever there's a waiting room, you can come in and do your audition. I'll be here for six hours. But the actors just sort of come and go. Right. And they have sides prepared that you read in front of them or you just do a monologue or whatever. He decided everyone had to get there at the same time he did. And then we all just worked on things. Well, what I remember from that is it got progressively weirder. It did. So at first they asked, they told us to come in at, I I don't know, like, let's say it was 10 a.m., right? They asked everybody to come in at 10 a.m. And then they were like, so... You're all cast. We just don't know what you're cast as yet. Oh, yeah. And so we don't know what part. We all like you and we're going to put you in the show, but we don't know what characters you're going to play yet. So we're going to do a read through of the play and throughout the director will like reassign you to read this part of this part, depending on the scene, just so that he can hear you in different things. And we're like, cool. It's a little unorthodox, but it's not the craziest way I've ever heard. And I, I know that has happened before. So then we start reading it, and then he stops, and he's like, I'd like everyone to get up. Well, wait, though, because before we even started, he led us through a warm-up. Oh, right. We're in this, like, giant, like, it's got to be two or three thousand square foot room. It was like a ballroom. Yeah, it was. It was like it was a like ballroom. A, or like it was a, like a ballroom. Like a, like a room you'd have, like, a panel at Comic-Con. It was a huge room. Yeah. And uh, he had us go on opposite walls and yell lines to each other All as right. part of the warm-up. And uh, and he also was like, I don't really know how we're going to do this, but why don't we just read the script? We'll just read through the whole script. And anyone who wants to read any part can read any part. Yes. And he was like, genders don't matter. None of it matters. Just pick something and read it. And then we started doing that. And then he was and then he was like, yeah, let's all get up. Let's all get up and move around. And like, so we're holding loose papers of a full script of like 100 pages and just like trying to figure this out and like not drop all the paper and while we're running around and doing weird limb. The two main stories I tell people when I talk about this, one is that you and I started playing soccer with a four wheel dolly 
cart. Oh, yeah. I forgot we did that. Yeah, that was really good. That was like my favorite part was I was like, all right, if we're going to play a game, we're going to play a game. We're going to play a fucking yeah. game right now. And the yeah. other one that blows my mind is there's a, a scene in the script. I know exactly what you're going to say because it's the exact same thing for me. It's a play about a photographer and one of her most famous photographs that she was doing before she got famous. Like she, she was doing commissions for people. And this one guy wanted a picture of his horse and he wanted it to be to look very regal. And so she, and it's a funny scene. This woman who's like trying to make a living as a photographer is talking to this like idiot who's a part of the one percent who like owns a bank because he wants a picture of his horse in the bank. And he's like, I want it to be super regal, the most regal horse. Imagine Donald Trump. He's just like, I want it the best, the most regal. I want it so regal. I want this horse. And she's like, OK, OK. And eventually it's like, what's the horse's name? And he's like, Gerald or whatever. And it just like keeps going. The director stopped everything and said, I want you all to move around the space. Let's all try to be horses. Walk like a horse. Imagine what it would be like to be a horse. And we're walking around this giant room, this like conference room in midtown Manhattan, pretending to be horses. And he goes, I'm going to put a chair in front of me. And I want every single person at some point in the next 10 minutes, one by one, to come up, stand on that chair and give their most regal pose as a horse and i'll pretend to take a picture with my hands and i'll go click and that'll mean the picture's done and then you can move on and that happened for 20 minutes probably i mean that went on for a while it went i i i'm trying to remember if i tried to do the picture thing as quickly as possible it's that it is the type of thing i think i would go like i would do do one of two strategies either would either go first and get it over with or try and hold back and see if he abandons this idea before I have to do it. And I can't remember which one I did, but all I remember is he just went, and now let's pretend we're all horses. <laughs> <laughs> I remember as well, when we started rehearsals for that, he was making us do like manual labor for the theater, like every day, <laughs> like moving couches up and down stairs and shit. Yeah. It's so weird. Oh, man. I still miss that show, though. <laughs> uh, it was do. a good show. That's another I, thing. I, I, it was I bring really it up good. every now and then. I love that show. It's, it's so well written. Show. We just... Uh, it's just... It had some problems. Yeah. That were not script or actor related. Yeah. The problem was not enough horses. <laughs> not regal enough. <sighs> Welcome to the Media Lunch Break, bringing you all of your comic, geek, and movie news all in the time it takes to eat a good sandwich and just let out your most regal horse. You know what I'm saying? My name is Chris Tribble. Alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Andrew Dunn. Say hello, Andrew. Uh, I would say hello, but unfortunately, I can't right now because I have uh, something else I have to do. I actually have a surprise guest for us tonight. Oh my gosh. Is it really him? Is it the celebrity of the podcast? Oh, he's drooling on me. Oh man. Oh, get him. Get him good, Rowan. Hey, yeah. bud. Hi, buddy. You want to see Chris? He doesn't know it, but he's your godfather if, <gasps> if we die. Really? No. Ah, yay. That's even better. Hi, you. Hey, buddy. Just go ahead and hit all those keys, bud. Go ahead. Just slam your hand on him. He has been knocking coffee out of Melinda's hands lately. Nice. Excellent. 
Do you want to say anything to the throngs? We have over 3,000 people on Twitter now, so you the masses are waiting. This is your address. Go. Oh, my God. The cats are trying to get in. All right. Take him. I love you, bud. I'll see you in the morning. Save us from the cats, Rowan. Oh, oh there he goes. Night, bud. This is taking a long time. Does whatever an iron can. Friends of ours. Friends. Got him for, I think you were at our baby shower, right? I was at your baby shower. Friends of ours who weren't you, because you're not as cool, gave us these like sticker ties to put on him for every month. Like one month, two months. That was me. I gave you those. I don't think so. No. Yeah. You don't even know what I gave you, do you? A book? That was me. Yeah, I did give you that book. Yeah. (laughs) I was wondering if you knew that. (laughs) There are some items we don't know. Like there are some things. I forget which ones. Oh, 100%. That happened to us. Yeah. There's some that we were like, I don't know who got us this, but he loves it. Thanks. Yeah. Sometimes shit would come in the mail and we're like, who sent this? Because yeah, it's like Target (laughs) or like from Amazon or whatever. And they're like, great. But uh, they got him these like stickers that are superhero themed. Cool. So like the first one was like Superman one month, Batman like two two month old, uh, and then Spider Man and then Iron Man, and he's only four months now. I, I don't know what the next one is. I don't remember. So what Melinda decided was we should watch those movies, and like when he turns a new month, we should watch a movie of whatever t- tie he has for his photo shoot. Right. And uh, so we had to catch up. So we watched. Man of Steel, the best Superman movie. Dark Knight, the worst Batman movie. Spider-Man Homecoming, the only Spider-Man movie. And Iron Man 1, which was the last Marvel movie. Yeah. One of those things was incorrect. So were the others. (laughs) (laughs) You're talking in riddles now, man. (laughs) Look, man, I'm tired. I'm covered in sweat. Some of it's your own. <laughs> I'm covered in my sweat and someone else's drool. Could be worse, could be the other way around. I'm losing it, man. Yeah. Could be worse, could be raining. Then should we get this shindig started and start talking about what we're supposed to be I talking about today? I don't know what we're going to talk about. Andrew, Umbrella Academy, season two. It happened. Came out. We've been waiting for it. It came out. We watched it. What did you... This, this, is, the, this is the thing on everyone's lips. And by everyone's lips, I mean my lips and your lips. And mostly my lips, but I'm going to make you talk about it for like 30 minutes. So did you make it all the way through Umbrella Academy season two? I did. Yeah. All right. Excellent. So did I. So before we get into this, we'll say it up front. Spoilers for Umbrella Academy season two. If you have not seen this. Yes. Stop this now. Go watch it. Come back to it because we're going to talk about it all throughout. We're going to spoil the shit out of this. Um Yes. All the, the, the. Do you want to talk about the plot? Do you want me to talk about the plot real quick? I can talk about it if I remember it. You could kind of sum this up in one sentence, basically. Oh, then you do it because I could not. Okay. Uh, the Umbrella Academy is back. They got trapped in the 60s at the end of last season, and it's the apocalypse all over again, and they have to stop it all over again. That's pretty much. I guess that is it. it. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much. They how Force it goes. Awakens it. Yeah. So how did, uh, what did you think of this? What did, how do we feel about season two as a whole before we really get into it? So most of the fan reviews that I've seen of this like the second season a little more than the first one. I'm the opposite, I think. 
I think it's okay. I put a lot of weight into the creation of something like the creation of characters. And I know that like they sort of didn't do that because Gerard Way did that. Right. uh, Because he wrote the comic that it's based off of. But they still sort of created these characters, including the actors like they they made these things come to life. And then once you have it. It takes a lot more to impress me after that because it's you've done the the groundwork. The novelty is worn off. People used to get like so upset with me because uh, I think Empire Strikes Back is the worst of the original trilogy. We're going to get tweeted now. I know, I know. But because like I love Return of the Jedi so much. We're going to get tweeted even twice as much now. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's not as good as The Phantom Menace. Oh, well, you're fine. <laughs> but I put a lot of weight. The reason I actually don't think... A New Hope is better than The Empire Strikes Back, but it's the creation of Han Solo and Obi-Wan Kenobi and R2-D2 and C-3PO and fucking Darth Vader. Like, you created these characters that went on to live in merchandise and and external stories and on and on and on for a movie with a budget of like $2,000. You know, Um, I I give that a lot of credit. And in the same way, the first season does a lot Man, there's so much that happens in the first season and there's just I feel less in the second season. It's less condensed, it's more spread out. Yeah. It's less go 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 go. What's happening over here? Okay, now we have to go to this thing. What's happening? There's a lot of like everybody's doing their own thing and we're just sort of checking in with where they're at, you know? Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, look, I really like this season, but it did not I was trying to think about this. And as I was watching it, I was like, I'm not feeling the excitement that I felt from the first season. And I think that's what it is. And and this is, I can't even say that this is a fault of the series. It's just what happens naturally. Season one, I and I had never read the source material as well. So I was going into season one, like, this is completely original to me. And then season two comes and I'm like, okay, I kind of know what to expect. I know who these characters are. I've grown to to really like them. I do want to watch them further. But like I had learned to kind of expect the unexpected. And so therefore the twists and turns, while I didn't see them coming, while I didn't feel they were telegraphed, there wasn't really a whole lot of, there weren't a lot of moments where I was like, oh shit, like there was in season one, you know, even the final episode, which I thought was really great. I remember this, the first season episode or the first season finale, I was like edge of my seat. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know how they're going to get out of this. This is crazy. I will say this. This is one thing I really appreciated. It's an easy transition into season two. And a lot of times with Netflix shows, especially like I feel like I have to go back and watch season one all over again, just so that I can remember all the things that happened to set up season two. This one, they do a really good job of just like, you know what? It's the apocalypse again. These are the people. I, I didn't feel the need to real. I don't have to go back and like Wikipedia what happened in season one. There are a couple things that like, like you can't go into season two without seeing the first no, season. Absolutely but not. The only things you need to know are like the major plot points. Like you could probably read the summary on Wikipedia without seeing right. the first season. Right. And you could read the Wikipedia summary of that and probably be fine. Right. Yeah. I watched the recap before the first episode of the second season. And I was like, that's that's yeah, I did that as well. Literally all I I needed if that because I was like, okay, I remember this 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 and this. 
there was, I think, the one agent guy. I was like, I can't remember what he what happened with him. And then he died like... Oh, Hazel? Hazel. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't remember his storyline at all. I remember he was in it, but I couldn't remember his storyline at all. And then he died like two minutes later. So I was like, okay, doesn't matter. Fun fact, that actor is younger than us. Yeah, that young that guy's really young. Have you have you ever seen the series Mindhunter? Not yet. He's I need to. Phenomenal I know. The that was his it, like breakout I, role. Yeah, the, the rest of it, I feel like you'll be like, eh, it's fine. Yeah. But he's really great in it. But yeah, I did like that that was like an easy transition. And normally I would I would even say it's a knock against it to do basically the same plot as the first season. But for some reason, this is fine. I, I For some reason, they get away with it to me. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because everything else is so different being in the 60s. The fact that they're all, they come together a lot faster. They come, they're all a, a group again by like the third episode that it feels fine. I don't feel like you're just rehashing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, well, and the show is so weird that it feels plausible that the apocalypse could just follow them. Why not? You know? Yes, absolutely. They are a superhero team. It it seems plausible that like, I guess the other thing is like once in season one, they avert the apocalypse. Like, what do you do for season two that would be able to top it? You can't. It's the end of the world. Well, it looks like season three might have something that isn't the end of the world. That <laughs> It looks real cool. I do like that, though. I like that it's like, let's get bigger, let's do it again, and then And let's not talk too much about it right now, but we'll we'll get into it. Yeah, we'll get into it closer to the end. But um so let's get a little more into the into the nitty-gritty. What do we think? Um how are you on each of the characters? Like where they've progressed? Like let's start with uh Klaus, actually. Because Klaus was for me in season one like the breakout star of season one. But come season two, how do you feel about Klaus? Which one is Klaus? Klaus is the... Okay, see, this is... Is it Robert Sheehan? Klaus is the um, cult leader. He can talk to the dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Robert Sheehan. Yeah, he's great. I mean, that dude feels like he came out of nowhere, but he's been working steadily for the past, like, 15 years. And he is so effortless at what he does. He goes on a real heartbreaking journey, which I really love. Mm-hmm. He's so nuanced, that actor. He started the first season as being that carefree drunk. And now he's just a guy who really wants to be loved. And it's really beautiful to watch and to see that journey. Yeah, I, I think he's great. I Honestly, I think all of the like, I'm not sure if you're asking, like, how do I feel about the actor? Or, like, how do I feel about his his arc? The character. Great. The character. Love it. Yeah. He was one, and I think he's the embodiment of what I'm talking about with season two, where I was like, I loved him in season one. This one, maybe it's just the natural arc of it, where I'm like, okay, now I'm just along for the ride. There was nothing in it that I was, and again, maybe I'm like, I've gotten used to the fact that he amazes me. You know what I mean? Like, mm. the the watching him do his thing, I'm like, yeah, I get it. I know that he can do that. There's not a surprise that he can, like, hit this wide range whenever but whenever i was watching him i was like okay that's cool i like i I don't know there was something about it i don't want to say it was unimpressive but it just it didn't quite grab me the same way it did in season one but i think that's simply because i've now gone oh that guy is amazing whenever i see him on screen i'm like yeah i know he's amazing well i think part of it too is the nature of what i was talking about with just this storyline that it is just spread out more right like part of the reason his stuff was so incredible 
is because it was just the next thing and then the next thing and then the next thing. And then he's like, you know, breaking a glass on his own face so he can convince the guy to give them information. And, right. you know, uh, it, it was just on and on and on. And everything was just so incredible. And this is it. it's a lot more. Well, I guess I need to hitch a ride. Oh, now I'm in a bar. I guess I need to steal this guy's car. It's less compact. Right. And kudos to them for not like they could have been like, well, we need more episodes of story. Right. Because they could have condensed this down to six episodes. And then they're like, well, we need four more episodes. So we just got to write something, which it feels like sometimes the Marvel Netflix shows used to do. 100%. Yeah, there was the mid season filler. Right. And instead, they were just like, well, I guess since we have this episode obligation, we have to just sort of stretch it out. So kudos to them. I think that's a better move. But it does feel every character feels like they're sort of just existing for a lot of it. Right, right. Was there any like Diego? I at least I wasn't wild about him. I wasn't wild about him in season one. At least that I I do like that they kind of gave him a little more. I like that where they took his character. He's still not my favorite. I'm not wild. I don't about like it. his like obsession with killing Lee Harvey Oswald. It's very strange. Really? Well, no, but to me that makes sense. To me, he's because he's the only one who continued being a hero. Right. So why doesn't he kill every murderer? I think he's like, well, I'm a crime fighter. This is like the biggest. This is one of the biggest crimes in American history. This is like the Declaration of Independence for Nicolas Cage. Exactly. This is a, this is his Declaration of Independence. Lee Harvey Oswald is Diego's Declaration of Independence. He's like the number one highest hated criminal murderer. Exactly. Yeah. And he's like, I have to stop. If I was brought back here for any sort of a reason, if I've quantum leaped into this moment right now, it's for this. It's to stop the Kennedy assassination. I guess. But yeah, I mean, again, I'm not like, crazy about his his care listen what i'm saying is in season three if somebody's got to die make it diego all right write that down somebody write it down andrew did you write it down yes great okay i'm trying to think of it i mean i kind of don't want to go through like every character individually but i still love number five that kid's fucking phenomenal aiden gallagher he's really good it is is amazing yeah i did not like the like Weird. Oh, yeah. By the way, when you get too close to your future self, you start farting and sweating and scratching. I was like, why? This is such a strange sort of humor to have in this show. You know, it felt like they could have done something weirder and less like, oh, this is a Cartoon Network joke. Ho, 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 ho. Like SpongeBob or whatever. Right. I like the idea of like, okay, there's a, a series of literally like physical ailments that happen because maybe you're too close yeah and if something happens at a i would rather it have been like you start warping through time and they'd like do some sort of weird cgi oh yeah thing even if it looks kind of bad it could be a small thing where like his cheek just starts like moving right. or whatever you know or even that they start to two objects that are that close from two different times start to equal out oh sure start to age like phase so five starts to become yeah, older yeah. That guy starts to become younger until they're going to merge into one being. That would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did like the manic. Right. I like that part. Yeah. That's up. Yeah. The farting and stuff like that. I'm like, I guess. Sure. It was weird. Yeah. I don't know what that was about. It does feel out of humor for the show. Yeah. It felt like it was written by someone else for a different show. That kid. I mean, though, 
This is one question that I thought of while I'm watching this thing. I'm like, what happens when that kid grows up? He is. I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, that's what I mean. Like, I think they're doing a lot of camera tricks because he's already he looks totally different. He's old. He, well, he, I know he's older than he already plays. Yeah, not by much. I think he's like 16. But not by much. But I'm like, that kid's going to grow like into a 21 year old at some point. Well, but that's the thing is he's like, let me look up how tall he is. Okay. Because I think he already is. He is Aiden Gallagher. That's it's spelled wrong. I mean, he's five foot three right now. Okay. So he's he's kind of short for a for his age, but you know. <laughs> so the thing I was saying, it's the opposite. But but he's still five foot three is too tall for right that. But like that's the whole point, right? Is that like they're using camera tricks? They're they're doing things to make him look younger. Right. They, hell, they'll they'll probably do something with CGI. But that's the other thing too. Is like just I don't I kind of don't know. It was very bold of them to set this one day later right because yeah i thought that too because i was trying to at the first episode when he popped up i was like i think he's older like the actor i was like i think he's kind of noticeably older yeah it was very bold of them to because i was like oh yeah i kept thinking like oh yeah this is like the next day or whatever because can he age can the character age yeah yeah because he, he just, just got reset to be a yes. teenager, but he now ages normal. Right. So that's okay. why I was like, okay, so just set it a little later, you know, right. like set okay. it a year later the next time you do it, which it seems like it's getting harder and harder because they're not going to be able to do that with the next season. Exactly. <laughs> the way they left off. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's the thing. Because again, they keep leaving off like the moment that one season ends, the next season begins. Yeah. And this kid is going to like leapfrog over unless they start right away. But now they definitely can't. Yeah. It's definitely going to be too late. Like the only thing I can think that they can do is just do the same thing they did with the first season and just be like, oh, yeah, he went on some time adventure and then bring him back two seasons later and he's a 20 year old. Right. You know, I mean, they could do that in one episode. They could he could literally like pass through a time thing. Yes. And then he's just like, fuck, I did the math wrong. Again. It is hard, though, because he's five foot three. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if he's going to get any taller. He's literally he's like 16, 17, something like that. He might. He could grow. He's a short guy. He, he, there's a couple more inches he could get in. Fun fact about this one, too. What's that? We can talk about Luther. I liked Luther in this, too. I liked he, Luther. He went on an arc. Yeah. I liked Luther a lot. I missed the arc between the two of them. Mm. I loved that arc in the last season, and I missed it. And yeah. I know that they, they kind of... I think what was weird for me is they started it. It felt like they started it when he finds her again. And then it just kind of like dropped off fizzled out yeah well i don't know i I, you know armageddon's kind of a big deal it is but i mean armageddon was in the first season and it was all throughout like she's i get that she's married to this guy but like i mean once i feel like once the plan is i don't uh yeah i guess yeah okay sorry i'm now reanalyzing the entire season in my head as we're doing this but it did. I was like, I kind of missed that arc. And it kind of, they started it and then they just kind of stopped it. Well, and fun fact about that character too, in one of the books, he gets depressed and just starts like overeating and overeating. Right. And that's sort of what they were doing in the season. He's like cooking a big pot of eggs and like he's eating soul food at some restaurant. And the plan was to do what happens in the comics, which is that he gets really fat but they didn't want people to think that they were stealing the idea from Endgame. Oh my gosh, that's pretty brilliant. He was supposed to be in a fat suit. Right. Because I know you were planning on it. Have you read the source material for all of this? I have read the first seven pages. Mm. I just haven't. Melinda's read all of it and she's talked to me about it. Okay. Has she said how closely the second season 
stays to the source material not really she said that um there are differences and there are similarities okay so i don't know i didn't want i was also like i want to read these so i don't want to know too much did she say i'm curious because i think this is an easter egg but i want to know is the milkman in the source material oh i have no idea okay because i think that's an easter egg towards a different thing i think that's a nod to a different gerard way creation but i could be wrong yeah there's a DC imprint called DC Young Animals that Gerard Way was overseeing. And there's a, a run called Milk Wars in which one of the characters is like a milkman that is dressed like that. So I don't know, but I could be wrong. Oh, that's funny. Somebody tweet us or something and, and tell me if I'm right or if I'm wrong. But if I am wrong, say it in a way that makes me sound right. You're wrong. Thank you. Good job. Yeah, I'll take that. That works for me. Listen, I wish I wish somebody told me good job every time I was wrong. <laughs> I'd, I'd hear it nonstop. I will say the fight because you, you talked about Luther and the the I think you mentioned the fight scene in it or the, the episode where he's in the fight. That episode, which was episode three out of ten, that's where the whole plot opened up for me. Which is, I love that because it was like, it. we didn't prolong this of... Wait, which of fight are you talking about? The uh, fight he throws. Oh, I, w- I was not talking about that one. But yeah, that's oh, a good one too. Yeah, the fight he throws is in episode three out of ten, which I like because that's the episode for me, like everything kind of opens up. And I like, they could have easily stretched the season of all of them are trying to find each other forever and ever. And then at the last minute, they find each other and have one big fight. And I'm like, no, they got all that shit out of the way. Real quick, we did three episodes of people finding each other, and now the next seven, it's like, let's just let loose on this, which is great. That's where it really kind of took off for me. I loved um, the storyline with Vanya losing her memory. Her character yeah, really took off this season. I mean, she had a lot to do last season, but her character, I also really, I like that they restart, kind of give her a restart and give a new shot at redoing the character all over again with the amnesia thing. Also, that husband's a dick. Yeah. What are you typing? What are you looking up? Ellen Page is her name. She is yes. an underrated actor. She's an underrated actor? Yes. Academy Award nominee Ellen Page? Yes. She's underrated. Okay. Honest to God. Like, she is... Every time she is on screen, yeah. she is reacting to something. Oh, yeah. 100%. And it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean... Because, yeah, if I were to ask you to list your favorite Emmy nominees, she's not going to be one that comes up. True. You know? Oscar nominees or Emmy nominees? I don't care. Whatever you said. That would explain why she wouldn't come up, I guess, if she hasn't been nominated for an Emmy. Yes. Uh, It would be. But I do think she's underrated. Like, I think she was, she was like America's sweetheart for like four movies. For Juno. Yeah. Juno. She was in X-Men. What else was she in? She, she was an X-Men. She had, she had other really big... Um, I forgot she was an X-Men. Hell yeah. You're right. She is underrated. She is. Because I forgot you she was You didn't even remember X-Men. her. Exactly. What other movies has she been in? Let me look. Because there were, there were like a handful. Inception. Oh, shit, she is in Inception. Right. She is underrated. Holy shit. I'm telling you. Uh, Hard Candy, which was like one of her first ones. That one's fucking insane. Is it really? Do you know what Hard Candy is? Yeah. It's like a jawbreaker. Hard Candy is a movie about... She plays a child in it. And she's kidnapped by a child molester who plans to rape her. And instead, she breaks out and cuffs him and tortures him for the rest of the movie. I do know this movie. I mean, I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. Evidently, she was in Trailer Park Boys. Who wasn't? I was in Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> like 10 episodes. 
But yeah, man, I mean, Hard Candy, what else? X-Men, Juno, Smart People, Inception, Super. So yeah, and then she just sort of stopped. Yeah, then she was just in some stuff here and there. I think she was sort of a child star. And then when she was an adult, people didn't know what to do with her anymore. Right. And she's so good. She's amazing in this. Yeah, she is. She's phenomenal in this. And she's also the only person in the cast shorter than number five. (laughs) Which is why they don't have a whole lot of scenes next to each other. She's so little. I love the scene where they are driving and they drive past each other going opposite directions and both look out the window like, what are you doing here? That was, yeah. Uh, I also there's a scene with um, Vanya. This is my my only real big problem with the show. Okay. There's a scene with her that makes no fucking sense. And it's, I think, the end of the second to last episode. She asks them all for help. She needs to go do something. She needs to go save someone uh, on the farm she's been staying on. And uh, everyone's like, no, man, we got more important stuff. And she looks at all of them individually and they're all like, sorry. Or like number five is like, no, I'm not helping you. And like the rest of them are like, sorry, I wish I could, whatever. And so she goes and gets in a car and then all of the Umbrella Academy gets in the car with her. And they're just like, yeah, we're going to help you. And I'm like, what changed? Yeah, that was (laughs) because at first as well, the first person who gets in the car with her is Klaus. And he's the only one who didn't say he wasn't going to help her. He just sort of gives her a look. And I legitimately before he gets in, I was like, man, I thought for sure Klaus would help because he's such a like warm soul who would do anything for anyone. And then he gets in the car and I was like, oh, my God, we're going to have a split off where Vanya and Klaus are going to help this and the rest of them go on this crazy adventure. And then it was like, no, we all just changed our minds because we're a family now and we love each other. And I was like, yeah, there was a kind of that feeling of like, did I look away for a second? Did I miss a scene? Did we lose a scene? Yeah. Was I on my phone or something? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it, it. didn't bump for me as heavily as it did for you. It was a little bit. I think maybe it didn't bump for me because I knew we were getting to the end of the season. So I'm like, okay, this is the moment that I'm expecting it to be. Yeah. I don't think it's terrible. Like, it didn't really, like, bump that bad for me. I think it's the worst part of a very good season. But I was also like, you could have saved eight seconds by just having them all look at each other and be like, yeah, we're a family. We should do this. And then all getting in the car together. Yeah, that's I, I agree with you. Absolutely. There was no reason to do that other than to like try to tug at our heartstrings or something. Just to cement home that they are now once again a unit. Which, well, no, you could have done that anyway. What they were right, doing was trying I mean. to like they were trying to make it so that you were sad because she's going to go on her own. And then, oh, no, she's not. She has a family now. Yeah, but that's what I mean. You like really cement that by the down and the up. Sure. The down and the up. That's a that's an industry term. Yeah. Who, who else we got? Allison. Allison is fine. She's, I think, the biggest victim of well, we're just sort of rolling along with whatever's happening and like the things... Yeah, they could have given her some real cool stuff yeah, to, to do. Like the things that are happening with her kind of out of her control. Right. I Sort of. Like she could control them, but she chooses not to except for a couple times. And even then it's not... Right. It's like to burn a guy's hand. Well, that's the thing is that her storyline, even more than like Diego's, I'm going to stop Lee Harvey Oswald. You want to talk about putting a character in a situation to make genuine change, like, and have the ability. Sure. I know where you're going with this. But also having that storyline. Now, I don't I don't remember when they were shooting this, so it's a little different. But having that storyline 
now in this moment. Like that could have been something really special. That could have been something really meaty. And I feel like... Mm, But that's the way that arc would play out. First of all, she would be assassinated immediately. But also like... So like if you look into the future of that playing out... It doesn't work because, like, the government would just, like, focus on her and send a SWAT team to shoot her. But also, when you're looking at her past, like, the whole reason she lost her first husband is because she used her power too much. And the reason she used her power too much is because she was around people, because she already was using her power too much. And she was using it to, like, get fame. And, like, she's always around these superheroes who all use their powers all the time. And she's like, all right, I can do it. And then she does it too far. And so in this one, it it only makes sense that she's trying to make a new life for herself without doing it at all which i think worked i'm not saying use the character to just go like well fuck it i'll just use my i i think there's real conflict there i think that and maybe it's just the amount of time that they didn't give that storyline to really play out but i think that they didn't mind that for all of it that it could have been like the you know they kind of do have the i think the storyline is the right storyline i think they could have taken it further i think they could have you know, spent more time on it and really made it something special. Right now, it's just like, it's just like this storyline that's just for this character and you kind of go through, you know what I mean? Like there wasn't a, that's that it doesn't feel like her storyline would have been any different without her in it. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Like if she wasn't there, they still would have done that thing at the diner. Right. Like they, there still would have been a riot and the results would have been same, uh, everything like that. Yeah. And that's what I mean. I'm like, this is a character and I'm not saying like she would have, she would have become like a civil rights leader because of her powers and used it to that end. I'm just saying like, there are places they could have gone with the civil rights movement just on a street level and watched her in those situations trying to use those powers. And sometimes it works. Maybe it doesn't, you know what I mean? And, and it's also that, that idea of like the, the scene in the original Superman where Jonathan Kent dies and he's like, with all these, I have all these powers and yet I can't change anything like that could have been a really interesting thing that this movement that they're doing, the force that they're up against, she has this amazing ability to make it, anyone do anything that she wants and yet she still can't stop this onslaught they she still can't use her powers to change the entire tide she can maybe use it to change a few things but she never comes it kind of comes to reckon with the force that she's actually up against yeah you know what's interesting too this is our first look at um it's not just mind control her power because the first time you see her when five first goes back to the 60s and it's like right 10 seconds before the world explodes she says to three soldiers i heard a rumor that blew your minds and their heads just sort of melt off and i was like that's interesting yes yeah so like in a way could she just be like i didn't know that she could do that like how far does that go could she have been like i heard a rumor that the world didn't end well i think it has to be to someone i think that's the one thing it can't just be like in the ether but could it be like i heard a rumor that you stopped the apocalypse i guess but that person would then have to do an action that would stop the apocalypse you know what I mean? It's kind of like right when they say the T-1000 can't become a gun because he, he can't do the moving parts of it. Like there are too many moving parts to the apocalypse 
for her to say one thing to one person and then it just shuts down. There's too many variables. I'm very curious what the limit is. Like I, I'm that's it. No, I'm 100% with you. I think that was the interesting thing about that first scene is that also in some ways, now that I think back on it, it kind of doesn't pay off by the end of the season is that that first scene you get a real feel for like the extent, the full extent when they unleash all the powers. I think that's the best scene in the entire season. I think it's the best scene in the whole series. Maybe, yeah. Like, it's unbelievable. I mean, that and the dance scene from season one where they're all dancing in the same room. It's interesting that we never really get to see, again, them build up to that point of like, it, it almost felt like all the characters had to discover how powerful all of their their powers are. And that we see in the first scene, but it never actually builds to the point where they're all like, oh, we can actually do this thing and it pays off at the end of the season. Do you know what I mean? They never have that moment. Like the one guy, and Luther stops a missile with his back. I'm like, I didn't know he could do that. And there's no moment during the season where he either does know it and shares it with us that he already knew that. And I don't think we saw something to that magnitude in the first season or doesn't know it and finds out he's that strong. Yeah. When we see Klaus, like, send an army of dead soldiers as well, which is fairly new. Right, exactly. To actually use his powers to really, like, do something. So, like, here's a question about Allison. Could she say, I heard a rumor that you could fly? And give someone powers. But would those powers only work as long as they're under the control? I imagine, yeah. So then she's really the one making that person fly. Right. That's interesting, right? Yeah. It is. We also never... What's that one woman's name? Is it Kim? I feel like it's Kim, but I don't remember. When... Diego's... Diego's squeeze. Oh, the... the <laughs> Diego's squeeze. His that he main takes for squeeze. Most, we all, uh, yeah, sure. Let's say it's Kim. Sure. It's Kim now. Is it Lila? I think it's Lila. Yeah, it's Lila. It's Lila. Yeah, so you were close. Because <laughs> they don't ever, like, truly explain what her power is. Is it that she can mirror other powers or like was she given like synthetic powers of the umbrella academy no she can she can mirror their powers she can mirror any powers but because they say she can only mirror one of our powers at a time why do they know that i think one of them says like you don't know that so one of them says it yeah yeah yeah. i think uh, because who says it? Does five say she can only? Marry? I don't know. But it, one of them says for some reason. If if it comes out of five's mouth, I believe it's but true. But some one of the other ones says how you don't know that or something like that. Right. And it doesn't seem to be true either. Because there are parts where she's like stopping people's. She's like doing kung fu or whatever, and like punching people into buildings while she's doing other stuff too. And how close does she need to be to them if that's the case? It, well, is it in a? It isn't an observation thing. Right. Is it like Taskmaster where if he sees it, he can do it? Right, right. Is that how Taskmaster works? Yes. I don't actually know. Um, or is it like, yeah, do you have to be in a certain proximity where she can absorb it like a rogue thing? Or I don't know. I, I have no idea. I know I'm pretty sure they kind of established that it's a mirror. Her power is to mirror other powers. She's, I mean, that's the one thing I would find interesting for season three. Yeah. But she's not in Wait, what happened to her at the end? I can't even remember. She fucked off, I think. She ran away. Right, 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 right. So she could be there, but she'd be like a million years old. <laughs> yes. Oh, but she can travel through time. But she can travel through time. She could grab, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. she could grab, because there were like 80,000 briefcases. Yeah, yeah. So she could have just picked another one up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Hargreaves is an alien. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> That's a big old dangling tentacle of a thread <laughs> to, to just like leave out there. Who was part of the JFK assassination, but did not want to be? know that that was the intention. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know what's going on with that. And they never really explain it. No. But in a way that I'm like, I don't know that they're going to pick this up in season three or if it's just going to be like there. Yeah, I don't know. Which is weird. And I want to know. I feel like they will. That was one. That was one. I was like, you can't just leave that for like, (laughs) you can't just do that. You can't just reveal someone's an alien in this world, which, by the way, we've never really like established. (laughs) They sort of did that in the first season, too, because you see him. It just says like a long time ago, he's on a planet that is not Earth. And then his wife says, where's my violin? I'm dying. And he shows it to her and she says, I want you to give this to someone special. And he ends up giving it to Vanya. And then when she dies, he picks up a jar full of like floating lights and releases them into the world. Wait, that happened in season one? Yes. What episode in season one did that happen? That was the first episode? No, I think it was the last one, but I can check. I have to rewatch the last episode, I think. What did Hargreaves release orbs is that gonna give me anything i really hope it just comes up porn i think this is it in the final episode of umbrella academy season one something strange happens with no prior explanation or build-up it's a flashback in which a much younger sir original hardgreaves the wealthy entrepreneur leaves the umbrella academy uh is talking to his wife they're in a bedroom she's lying on a bed clearly sick and then like a bunch of spaceships take off too oh okay yeah, you should you should find that scene. <laughs> I should. I really but should. Because here's, here's the other thing. Those little tiny orbs he releases from a jar mm-hmm. look very similar to the ones we see go into uh 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 the kid. Fuck is his name. The kid. Who Harlan cares? He's the kid. Harlan. Whatever. We're never gonna see him again. I disagree. And I wanna give the impression of competency. But yeah, they go into Harlan and then she and she removes them from him. Uh, when she saves him, they go through her hands, through these little orbs, and it looks like they might be the same ones that Reginald released in the first season. Oh, actually, yeah, because I think I found a screenshot. Somebody did like a side by side screenshot. I think we might see Harlan again because he so Vanya may have the ability to give other characters powers that they didn't otherwise have, because at the end of season two, you see Harlan still has some like telekinesis powers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's looking like those orbs probably are powers and either she didn't get them all or they activate something that uh, initiates powers within a person. Here's the other thing. The last time you see Harlan, he's suspending a toy in midair. Right. Do you know what that toy is? It's a duck. It's a sparrow. No, it's a sparrow. Did you fall asleep? Why is that important? Because that's who they find when they get back home. It's the Sparrow Sparrow Academy. Academy. Also, there are like Um, 20 other sparrows hidden throughout the show that are like clues to this happening. There's like a candy bar that has a sparrow in it. Really? um, Yeah, it's on. uh, There's a stamp. You know, when Lila finds out that five killed her parents, Mm -hmm. she finds that report. There's a stamp of a sparrow on there. Interesting. There's a bunch of others, too. They're all over the place. Okay. On newspapers and books and wow. stuff like that. I did not see that. Yeah. So I think that uh, he's going to be very important to the Sparrow Academy. Interesting. Interesting. That's, I'm super psyched about the Sparrow Academy. And because he is now the first person with powers ever. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. And he's going to be like 70 probably at this point. I w- Oh, <gasps> okay. I have a prediction. He is the old guy that's in that restaurant when, what's his face? The dad goes back after the JFK assassination. Remember, he, the dad comes back. The guy with the sunglasses? Like, the guy with the sunglasses. Okay. Could be. I mean, he's dead. <laughs> well, he's dead now. He's dead yeah. Once the dad kills him in that moment. I don't know. That seems a little too specific for me. I think it's more likely that he will just be like right. either the main villain or a person who founded the Sparrow Academy. But the but the you're right. That guy, by the time this they get back to the to the modern day to 2019, that guy would be that right age. And then they also say that 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 group tends to meet. Oh, no, that's the board, isn't it? That's a different group. That's a different group, yeah. It's too many groups. Yeah, I think it's I think that guy is just supposed to be some no-name mm. guy. I don't think he's going to be anything. I think it's more likely that this he will be either the villain of the third season or he will be like a guy that Reginald worked with because he was looking for people with superpowers and found one. Right. Anything you got anything else? Before we move on from this, the fights with Luther in the like cage fights really felt like they were ripped off from uh, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. I was trying to remember the director's name, but I can't remember. Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I don't. Yeah, I could see that. I still liked it. You guessed it. So you must have been able to well, see I didn't, it. I, until you said it in this moment, I didn't even think of it, but I, I could totally get, get behind that. Before we go on, I actually got, I got a few quick notes. You want to hear them? Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, number one, uh, Diego looks like the Geico caveman. That really bothered me oh, the whole yeah. time. I, I thought that I Fucking, literally said that out loud. <laughs> I don't understand. You're, you're, I, here's, you, you escape from a mental asylum. They're, you're on the run. They're looking for you. You don't leave the town that you really escaped from. You don't get a haircut at all. Anyway, in any way, shape or form, you don't cut your hair at all. Shave your beard. Anything. Well, he's kind of dumb. Kind of. Yeah, he's very dumb. And uh, I also don't think, I think he's a little cocky as well, so I don't think he cares. I think he's yeah. like, if they come for me, I can handle it. Yeah, well, he looked like the guy Cave Man, and it bothered me the whole time. Five should definitely be able to wear some new clothes by now, I think, right? He only has the one outfit? Yeah, but I think he's a little off as well from living in a post-apocalypse for 50 years or whatever. True. I think he's very like, what, what do my clothes matter? You know, what matters is saving the world. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, although the it, he says the whole thing is over the course of 10 days. He's been wearing that same outfit for 10 days straight. That's just unsanitary. Is it? Sanit- yeah. It just sounds like quarantine to me, baby. Oh, yeah. Uh, here's a little plot hole. Ready? Vanya gets caught with her girlfriend for and gets in trouble for being gay. Yet Luther has been sporting the same modern haircut for at least a year in the 1960s Dallas. And no one is calling him a homosexual. So explain that to me. Well... That may be because he looks like he could break all of them with one finger. That's true. I truly forgot that manipulating objects was Diego's power until the very last episode when he did it with the bullets. I legit thought it was just the knife thing because that's all he ever uses. Well, yeah, they don't really say anything about that. But I guess uh, is it manipulating metal? Uh, Maybe. Maybe it's a magneto thing. They never really discuss it. Right. Because when they meet 
Hargreaves in the 60s when they all sit at that table. Yeah. They do a smart thing. I bet it was added later. Like, I bet it was a, a reshoot or whatever. Right. He throws a knife. Yes. It misses Hargreaves and it goes to the right. Yes. And, like, locks into, like, it, like, dives into, like, a piece of wood. And I wonder if they added that in so that later you wouldn't be like, wait, how can he move those bullets? I, le- yeah, because... But the thing is, like, he only ever uses knives. So I legit thought he was just like, even though that was an improbable turn in this world, I believed he is able to throw a knife and make like it like a do boomerang. That. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I never thought that he could just like move things with his mind or whatever. It is. I totally forgot that was his. I did yeah. not even know it. Um, this is my last thing. The actress who's playing Allison is auditioning very hard for the role of Storm in the next X-Men movie by wearing that outfit in the she last episode. She might get it, though. Oh man, she would be really good too. Oh, we we also didn't have uh, what's what's God damn it? Why did I close this? Why did I close that page? What's her name? Ireland, something Ireland is her name. Marin Ireland. She's a Broadway actor, um, and she plays Sissy, the woman that um, Vanya falls in love with. Right, and she's right, right, very right, good right. in this. Yeah, she's. Great. I got to see her on she's Broadway fantastic. in The Big Knife with Bobby Cannavale and Chip Zine. Zine. Oh, and Richard Kind was in it as well. He was the villain. Ooh, it was very good. Nice. Okay. Right. And yeah, yeah, I love her. She's great. I thought she was great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, overall, I like this. I like it a lot. I really enjoy it. Um, you know, I can, I'm excited for season three. I'm glad they're done with the apocalypse. I'm over the apocalypse. Yeah, for now, until they're like, we're here to stop an apocalypse. <laughs> the Sparrow Academy is here to stop an apocalypse. Well, you know, the Sparrow, I feel like. They're going to be like, it's us versus the Sparrow Academy. And then midway through, they're like, it's the apocalypse. We have to team up with the Sparrow Academy. My guess is that it's going to be that. But instead of an apocalypse, it's going to be some sort of bad guy. Yeah. Which is about time. We need a villain. We need like an actual villain. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. There's a lot of complicated characters, but there haven't really ever been any villains. Right. The one guy, the dickhole from the first season who was dating Vanya. Yes. But it'd be nice to see like, this is the Sparrow Academy's arch enemy. Yeah. And that is in the comics. Like already I've, I've gotten, you know, I told you I'm like seven pages in. Right. It opens with like a dude in a mask wearing a tuxedo who's trying to convince Vanya to help him blow up the world right and i'm like we need just <laughs> that's a, a villain a, a mustache twirling villain let's let's right, throw yeah. it because that's the only thing that's stopping from really making this world real to me is like they have this history of being a superhero group but unless they have actual costume villains that go with them they just were stopping bank robbers the whole time yeah and uh i think of the lessons that can be learned from the second season the biggest one is that if you need to fill more time rather than stretch stuff out just put a camera on Robert Sheehan and make him do something. Yeah. Just give him a give him a dance break. Have him have him do some funny stuff. All right. Uh you want to do reading assignments? Let's do it, man. Let's do reading assignments. All right. So you gave me you gave me a series of videos. It really boiled down to to one video, but there were a couple of of intro videos from uh, a YouTuber named Jenny Nicholson. Uh Jenny Nicholson uh has been she she worked for Screen Junkies, for the website Screen Junkies, um, and then she started making some YouTube videos. Her breakout one was one that you actually gave me, which was called Pitching Suicide Squad. And then she's posted other videos as well about Star Wars and the, most of the stuff that we end up talking about on this podcast as well. And she started posting those in 2011, and then she didn't really gain traction until about 2016. Um and then she also, and this is going to play heavily in towards the main video that you had had me watch. She started her own 
My Little Pony parody web series called Friendship is Witchcraft. Uh, she even admits like that's probably not what she's most known for at this point anymore, but it did definitely help gain an audience with her. You gave me a series of her videos, the main of which was basically the history of bronyism, which is for those of you who don't know, bronies are were grown men who liked the show My Little Pony, which spawned this entire audience and and culture that was rabid both online about the show and kind of developed its own entity and became, they started to have cons and things like that. And she kind of, in that main video, goes through not only the history and where it started, but also kind of its downfall. I'm going to break this down. I'm going to break this down into two different branches. One is going to be just kind of my thoughts on Jenny Nicholson's videos and kind of those as and then my thoughts on Brony and the Brony video and, and the storyline that is BronyCon and all of that stuff, right? So the videos that you sent me, you sent me the, the pitching Suicide Squad one. You sent me the Porg one. You <laughs> sent video. me the Rogue One the Rogue audition. One. Yes, the Rogue One audition. And was that all of... Oh, no. And the the Peter Parker one. What was the Peter Parker one? I did watch them all, but I'm trying to remember. The Spider-Man Homecoming, where he, he's like... She's in the... Oh, the car. Okay, in the yeah, car. yeah, yeah, yeah. In the car. I, I will say, I'm not... I wasn't, like, wild about, about them. I, they're very smart. She knows her shit and her concepts are really good. They're also very old. Like those, I sent you some of the ones that were, I, I just wanted to be like, this is what I know her from. And, th- and that's why this other video is so wild to watch. Yeah. I mean, the pitching suicide squad one, that's a pretty solid sketch. I will say like, it's, it's really good. I know that was the first one of hers that I saw that I was like, oh, and the timing of the very last line is so exquisite. It makes me laugh still every time where like she finally realizes that this movie doesn't make sense and goes, oh, my God. And then it just cuts and goes Suicide Squad out May 25th. I love that so much. Yeah. The editing on it was was pretty tight. The Rogue One one was yeah fine. And the, the Peter Parker one the, was yeah it felt kind of similar to the suicide squad one so and i was watching them like they're three minutes long so i was like just banging those out um the pork one i was like what the fuck is this (laughs) it's just like it's just a person in a car now but i love the part where she's like someone's like is this gonna be like um ewok adventure and she's like no this is gonna be awesome and then it cuts to her explaining to someone in the car what the plot of that movie was that was that was really funny but for the most part i was like i'm just watching a girl get a pork i love it though it's so uh, good and then yeah so she switched started switching to like more vlog type yeah things eventually so the brony con one is an hour and 12 minutes <laughs> it's a i will say watching it it's a little it's a slog <laughs> it's because i would because it's just her talking into a camera for the most part it's just her speaking it's basically like if you're watching this video right now it's basically this for an hour and 12 minutes which is you want to talk about BronyCon, chris <laughs> so BronyCon and the brony culture I found this so see, that's funny that it's interesting that you felt that way because I was like, I mean, I was also on a train, I think, when I watched it and I had nothing else to do, but I was like captivated by this. I mean, I, you know, I knew what bronies were. I know what My Little Pony is. And I sort of had a knowledge of the history. I used to go on 4chan. So like, I sort of know that 
the, how it started there. But like, right. I had no idea how deep this went. I, I, I was thinking about this after I watched it. And I think maybe the more, well, let me get into that in a second. Let me just do this. It was to me, first of all, I knew a little bit about Brony Con, about Brony culture already. So I went into this actually really interested and really psyched to watch it. And then at some point it started to just kind of like lose me. And I think I realized that she was describing Bronies and Brony Con and what happens at the con. And I was like, oh, this is just, it's like any other nerd culture. And it's like any other con. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, this doesn't feel as strange to me anymore. I think that's part of the point. And then it's but like, I think that's part of the point. And that's fair. And then she's like, oh, yeah. Also, there's a lot of weird sex stuff. Yeah. But I was thinking <laughs> about that. And I'm like, yeah, but there's a lot of weird sex stuff. Not at Comic-Con. You can't buy. Uh, no, man. You can't buy as you can't buy the weird sex stuff. at Comic-Con. Yeah, I will give you that. But like, and it's weird that it's My Little Pony oh, and, they're, and they're able I'm to sell this like with that. section. I was just blown away by like the part where because there's a, there are a bunch of parts where she cuts in video or whatever. Right. And there was one where she's like at the convention and she's like, oh, look, body pillows. Oh, yeah. Oh, look, more like body pillows. That. Yeah. Oh, look, more body pillows. I think maybe the saddest <laughs> part is that none of that surprised me. Like she said it and she's like, this is yeah. Yeah. sex thing and i was like yep yeah that makes sense yeah some way they'll sexualize this and i mean i love too that she's like let's say it's 30 percent of the fan base and i think i'm being very generous she does do a whole pie <laughs> graph which is i appreciate and i think maybe that's the thing i will say this that what what made it slightly more interesting is because it's a, a fan base for just this one thing the watching or or, or the the graphing of the builds and then the way it eats itself to extinction, that was interesting. Like the last, I'm going to say 20 minutes, I was like, okay, now I'm really interested in watching the downfall. Not in a, in a like, ah, fuck you sort of way. I was just like, oh, this is interesting to watch how the snake ate its own tail. I mean, it, early on, it, she was talking about the growth of My Little Pony. And I had also seen, have you ever seen the, the toys that made us? No, I haven't. Okay. So there is a My Little Pony episode. And so that all that stuff that was covered in the beginning, I had already heard that in the, Got it. the toys that made us. And they even go into bronyism as well and the growth of that. So all of that, I was like, okay, I kind of get this. I will say it was interesting about the, the symbiotic nature of the equestrian, I forget what the website is called, equestrian daily or something. The website. Yeah, yeah. That starts posting and then... Like fan art and stuff. Fan art and then that begets fan art and the, the way that that goes. Which in a way is interesting. It's the opposite of the ta- of the snake eating its own tail. It's a self-propelling cycle. It's a self... Well, but that's what I mean. It was self-propelling, which I found interesting. And then you grow to... And then it it's guilty of its own downfall. <laughs> exactly. But that was the thing. And then throughout most of it, I'm like... And again, maybe that's the point is that most of what can be said about Baroni culture can be applied to any sort of fandom. Um, what I will say is interesting and different is that the wide gap between the product and the audience type, that's what makes it unique is that the product is, is a children's show and the audience that is consuming it is so far from that. The, 
I, uh, this is my note. I said, maybe the weird thing is that I had to watch an hour long video of a person talking into a camera just to realize all of that. I said, that's the only weird thing of it. I will say horse famous is fascinating to me. It's right. Yeah. Horse famous is where it gets a little out of control. When she was talking about sharing a green room with like Tara strong and people, I was like, Oh God damn. Yeah. Um, horse famous is a, is a little crazy. Although now that I think about it, maybe it's not that far from podcasters. But I think, and that's where I'm like, maybe that's what this video should have been. Because here, she she says that she is horse famous. And for, for those of you who are listening, horse famous is the description of someone in the Baroni culture who became famous for either fan art or fan-based product. So either fan art or fan music or fan videos or things like that. I feel like also, though, like, aren't some of the voice actors for horse famous? No, but they would just be famous because they're in the show. Mm. Horse famous is when you become famous for going to conventions and dressing in an elaborate fashion or being the she really talks about with the musicians who made up fan songs for the of the show about the show. And then they became famous for those songs. So they're famous not for being on the show or a part of the show, just liking the show. And she became horse famous for Friendship is Witchcraft, which was her like YouTube miniseries or whatever. That When she said that, I was like, wait, you've been giving me just an encyclopedic history of this thing. And you're a part of it. You're in it, in the center of it. And now halfway through, you're telling me this. And I was like, this video should have been about your experience from the growth of like becoming horse famous and being on the inside of this thing and watching it implode itself from the inside. That I would have found riveting from the start. Which is interesting, though, because I got the feeling that it was. She just didn't say it at the beginning. But see, that's the thing. She didn't say it until like, I think, 30 minutes in. Maybe more. But I that was I didn't need like her credentials like i'm not asking for credentials but what i'm saying is you can then have a narrative that is not just like this is a timeline of what happened and i'm in this timeline at this point start with you and tell your story from within the thing yeah i guess but i i worry then that it would be like and this is when i wrote this song and I was writing this song at this time. Like, I don't think she had any, like, wild stories other than the ones she gave, probably. I I, no, but you can talk about the experience of, like, she does talk about what it feels like and the surrealness of being in the green room and being famous for a thing that, that is tangentially connected to the thing that everyone is there for, but not actually being part of the show that everyone is there for. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so go talking about that surrealism and talk about that experience. And it doesn't just have to be just this story, this interesting, this interesting story. You can then be a journalist in that sort of way of talking about it, but make yourself the starting point because that's the most interesting part that you're part of this story. You're in the fabric of it. You're not an outsider. You're an insider. (laughs) She's talking about, uh, Oh yeah. Cause she was describing, the what the brony conventions were like and i was like i don't understand she's never been to has she never been to any convention ever because she's talking about like there's the main hall and they have panels and then there are smaller rooms and well i think it's for people who maybe haven't gone that was another thing i was going to say about like the setup like you have to talk about what it is and where it got started and and all the boring stuff in order to 
talk about the other stuff because otherwise people are going to be like i don't understand what this is what's a what's a convention yes, but what a, is a hall what is a panel there's a different way to structure that instead of just sure. like start but this one like the yeah she's telling it for people who have never been to a convention yeah i mean it was like i said there were there was a lot of it where i was like all right i get this i see i understand what all this is when it becomes to a point where like the bronies take over and then i will say it was interesting to hear about how the show then starts incorporating the brony culture into the actual show and that is an interesting study in yeah how that that is the true downfall it's once you did that that marked the end because you're just playing to a fan base that is ever it's you know it's ever changing. You're trying to do fan service. It's exactly. Rise of Skywalker. Exactly. Yeah, it's very much Rise of Skywalker. But even Rise of Skywalker, yeah, had merits. Had merits to it and there were fan service points to it, but it didn't just like, oh, we're going to just do we're going to give you a Star Wars movie from start to finish that is exactly what we think you want. Where they at least tried to write a story, love it or hate it. They tried to write a story that was true to the story that they had already been telling. And then they'll pepper in a few things because they know it's the last movie and we're all getting out of here. But that, I will say, was interesting to watch that go to the end. By the way, I did think about this. She said the thing about Tara Strong being really nice and John Delancey being really mean. I will say this. John Delancey, <laughs> John Delancey, like, I don't know if she knows this. John Delancey is already famous in the nerd community because he's one of the most famous characters in Star Trek ever. So he's been to those fucking conventions. He's probably just so sick of the damn things. He has to go to like all of these fucking things. No, he doesn't. Just don't go. Right. But I think he's also like, I'm a real actor. I've been in a lot of stuff. Why do I go to these fucking things? Yeah. So don't go. I know. But, but I'm just like. They just did a supernatural panel where none of the actors were there. I'm not defending it. I was just like. I, I was like, I think John Delancey's like, I've been in other things. I recorded like an hour of this. I really want to, I want to watch, <laughs> I want to watch his um, Netflix brony show I after do too. this. I, but I'm just like, I, Tara Strong is there because she's a character on the show. Right. John Delancey probably whipped this thing off in an hour and was like done. And he's like, why do you fucking keep coming up to me about this? Like, I'm, I have so many other things I've done. I'm not even on this show. I don't remember it. Please stop. That being said, I still 100% wish you had sent me to BronyCon with a camera. I know. I, I I think we just do this for other cons. I think you just send me. We It'll just be a running segment. Just Chris goes to a con. And right. you just send me to whatever. And I'll just show up and Melinda can just tape me for two hours just walking around. We want to take you to play Pokemon Go at some point, too. Great. That'll be fantastic. I'll get lost. And then be mugged at some point. That's perfect, actually. Yeah. Yep. That, that's what's going to happen. All right. So it's time to give you a reading assignment. And I'm still not fully certain what I wanted to give you. The first season of My Little Pony. Have you read? <clears throat> I have not. You bought at Comic-Con a couple of years ago, the Scott Snyder run on Batman. I have not read it yet. You have not read it. Okay. I'm going to say Court of Owls, which is should be the first of the set. Should be the first, the beginning of his run. Let's do that. Let's do Court of Owls. That's what I'm going to give you for your reading assignment. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Okay. All right. That's it. That's it. <sighs> that was painless, right? Yeah. Oh, wait. We have to end the show, don't we? Uh, Do we? Mm, no, we could just 
keep this going forever. You can just fizzle out and just have it fade out. I faded out about 45 minutes ago. Uh, hey, Andrew. Yep. Hey, Andrew. Yep. Hey, Andrew. Yeah. Where can they find us? They can find us on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play Music. You can find us on SoundCloud.com slash The Media Lunch Break. You can find us on Twitter, where our handle is at Media Lunch Break. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on the Instagram. You can find us on uh, YouTube.com slash The Media Lunch Break. And you can find us on <laughs> Patreon.com slash The Media Lunch Break, where you can give us a dollar or more if you want to if you like what you are listening to you could give us money there we also look at what people say there so if you're like hey this would be better if you know you were stripping then we could look at that and we'd find a way to sort of accommodate that because you would be paying us you'd be our boss exactly so like that's a good way to check that out that's patreon.com slash the media lunch break uh i'm what i'm really saying is i want to be a stripper please help with that here's here's the thing here's sorry here's what you can do with patreon just a recommendation okay if you like what you're getting okay give a dollar support it if you don't like what you're getting give two dollars okay you give two dollars and then we change it we get we get the more money we get the better quality we can afford and then we end up changing it so if you don't like what you're getting two dollars yeah and if you want you could donate five dollars and you could write whatever you want on the back of that five dollar bill and we will do it yeah a hundred yeah or stop doing it whatever it is yeah you could give two five dollar bills and tell andrew to strip and stop stripping and then watch him wrestle internally with that on how to do that at the same time. I would make a video and put it on Patreon if that happened, of me doing that. So do it. Someone do it. Challenge accepted. You can also send us an email at themedialunchbreak at gmail.com. You can visit our website, which is www.themedialunchbreak.com. Rate and review us on iTunes and SoundCloud and YouTube. Send us some comments on YouTube. Give us a like and a subscribe, uh, which is, I believe, the Spanish pronunciation. Thank you to Julie. Thanks, who Julie. is one of our favorite patrons. She's so friendly. So nice. So kind. Such a good person. And she gives us money. Yeah. And we love her. She's a great friend of the show. And uh, that's it. Yeah. If there's something you want us to talk about, tweet us, write us, email us. Yeah, Julie. Send it through Messenger Pigeon. Or did we don't you mean care. to everyone? Yeah, I meant okay. to everyone. Okay, But great. mainly to Julie. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. There's a topic you want us to hear us talk about. If there's a reading assignment you want us to do, shout it out there. Give it out. Let your voice ring out from the void. Yeah. I mean, there's a good chance we won't do it, but you got nothing to lose. I mean, yeah. Unless, again, $2. Then we'll do it. Then we'll do it. Then I'll we'll do, do fucking it. anything for $2. <sighs> You're telling me. Believe me, I've. he's not lying. I've done that before. He has accidentally given me $2 and it was too late. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes I get two extra dollars from something and I'm like, what can I make Andrew do now? And it's usually something sexy <laughs> no it's usually something sexual i don't think i'm capable of doing anything sexy correct don't sell yourself short it is short that's part of the re- oh don't sell myself short like don't i got gotcha. you okay thank you thank you yeah yeah no problem all right that's it it is it next week uh well next week we'll talk about the news and the week after that who, who knows what's gonna happen in emerald city comic cons we'll virtual about. panels maybe we'll talk about fan oh wait no it already happened didn't it well maybe we'll still talk about fandom i just want to say it one more time is it printed have we heard someone call it this is it not fandome <laughs> 
Because it's French. Fandome. You're so classy. Pinky out. You're so classy. I said out, not in. Ooh. <laughs> Pinky in. This got weird real quick. Is it supposed to be pronounced fandom? It's fando. I believe it's it's spelled D-O-M-E. No, I've never heard it said by like a person who wasn't going fandom. That's the only way to say it. That's why you haven't heard it that way. That's the only way anyone is allowed to say it. Fandom. But did they intend it to be fandom just spelled differently because it's in a dome? Why is it called fandom? It's a dome. Is it in a dome? Because it's in a dome. Like a biodome? It's in a virtual dome. A virtual dome. Yeah. What the fuck is a virtual dome? What don't you under... I, listen, if you don't understand it, I sure shit can't explain it to you. Okay? I feel like Zach's Snyder had a hand in this. Of course he did. It's ridiculous and completely unnecessary and overwrought. <laughs> Zack Snyder basically runs this event. Fando. 